0: Okay, I've drained my toddler bladder. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about treatment and and the religious, religious aspect of it.
0: So, um, that that does seem to be something that's tough, but I I feel like with um, like LADC, LADC mm-hmm. and CDC uh, folks is they don't seem to have to adhere to the religious stuff as much. But do you hear a lot of that when it comes to these you know treatment facilities or treatment groups
2: um, yeah so like um, a lot of treatment work there's you know the word God in there somewhere and it's kind of like well what about when people don't believe in God? Um, and then they just refer to it as like a higher power which mm-hmm. you know could be anything and I've I mean I don't really I personally get <laughs> like into that really because i don't like i don't i'm not an atheist but like i don't believe in god so um it's really hard for me to get behind like if that's what you believe in that like that that, that's working for you and Mm -hmm, you know whatever mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. um the problem i think i saw in treatment was that other clients would kind of be like well why don't you and you know kind of like shove it down your throat and it's kind of like i'm not gonna be over here and be like "Hmm, god doesn't exist i'm not gonna do that to you so it's like like (laughs) why don't you respect the other person
0: have a nice day nothing happens when you die (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so Chris would get because like I think you, there wasn't very many atheists when you went. No,
0: there was one. There was one other person that I met. But there's um so there's there's all of these books that you read on a daily basis. Every morning starts out with what they call morning meditation. Um mm-hmm. and the there was six or seven books and one of them has like I don't know, two or three pages and uh well, the book doesn't have two or three, but two or three pages about how we're not lost. And the, the phrasing was, are we lost like the atheist never to be found? No. And because it's a call and response book, mm-hmm. everyone in the group has to say no. And it's like, oh, cool. Everybody unanimously just fucking canceled me out. And I, I personally like because I wanted to um, be successful so much. I looked for, I tried to look for meaning in different ways. And so my higher power, um, I don't even like calling it higher power, but I just said um, my reason for sobriety is purpose. And purpose can be any number of things. Um, If it just means that I have a steady job or I have a place to live, like it can be really minute things and mundane things. Um, And having those things, what does it require to have those things? Um, it just gets you to start to answer these qu- like basic questions because um, sobriety doesn't have to be this, like the pearly gates opening in this mm-hmm. incredibly f- profound thing. Really what you want is a normal thing so that your, your day-to-day feels manageable. That's right. super important. Um, but when people say like, I'm praying for you, the way that I changed it was what they're really saying is I hope that whatever you need. So like, let's say a cancer patient, I hope that there are medical advances available to you that will help you get through this. Right. And when I started to do that, it's, it's not discounting. It's just making sense of like, cause people struggle when they hear that, like I'm praying for you, um, that it's like, um, they're washing their hands of the situation. When really they actually do care deeply and they just don't know how to vocalize they don't know how to say, I hope that um dialysis works and all right. and all that shit. Like they're just <laughs> saying I I hope that whatever is needed is available to you. And so those were the were big things for me that, that helped me start to get through uh treatment was that like It's not what those people actually want. They don't actually want me to have God. I mean, there were people that wanted me to have God in my life, but um, what they really wanted was for me to just be successful. Right. And but that is tough. And it sucks now that really what you need is distraction from destruction. That's what treatment is. You're going in there and they're they're taking your mind off the substance. And they're saying, okay, so what do you do Monday through Friday? How can we get back to what you were doing Monday through Friday? Mm-hmm. And finding these things to distract you from how badly your brain wants you to go right back to that thing. Um, which, yeah, I classified as distraction from destruction. I'm going to trademark it and start putting it on shirts.
2: <laughs> Perfect. Just print me one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, yeah, I the the religious thing... So when you're going through school and and learning these things, was there a religious aspect to that as well? No. No. See, and that's what I think is really interesting. Like, why is it that when you're going through school, they recognize that you don't need God in the classroom? I don't know to help people. But as soon as you get out, for some reason, it has to come with this other thing.
1: In mental health, we don't talk about God. I mean, I... But then I feel it's so so odd that with
2: chemical dependency, that's... That's, like, uh, you know, higher power or God or what have you. But it's very much, I think, putting it on... Like, being able to put it on somebody else, being like, you got this type of situation. I mean, there you know, there's, like, different levels, of course, where people are, like... They come out of treatment which if it works for them that go ahead like that's awesome um that they like preach you know like god has done this this and this and Mm -hmm. this and i mean you know again if that works for you that's amazing but um you did that like you put in the work you have my stomach i'm sorry (laughs) 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 like you put in the work um and I mean, if that's what helps you get through it, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Like you have to try, you have to like find your driving force for like, yeah. being yeah. sober and like w- reaching those goals. You know what I mean? Um, and that's I also, a
0: great way of putting it. Drive your, what's your driving force?
2: Right. And it can't be, I see a lot of people say my family. Mm-hmm. That's a good one, but it's got to be more self-centered than that, I think because it can't just be your family unfortunately i mean that sounds maybe selfish but it it's it's true like what are your personal goals yeah well because a lot of
0: them are you're forgetting like when they say family they're forgetting that family wasn't enough before no so there's got to be something more to that
2: right um so it it's just and like a lot of people don't even because they've been using substances for however long they don't even know who they are anymore Mm -hmm. so you see like a lot of like self-discoveries and i mean it i hate to say it but like i love seeing the breakdowns
0: Mm. yeah
2: because that's when like you know usually everybody comes in like yeah i got this blah you know i'm gonna do these steps or whatever and Um, But when you get to see them, like, break down and cry, like babies, it's just like, we got them. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. because I I feel like after that, like, they've got like a release and they're more open. Um, And it also depends, like, why they're there, too. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if it's court ordered and this is like their 15th treatment center and they're doing it because... They don't really want to, but it's better than jail type of situation. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's so dependent, but I do like seeing the breakdowns. Yeah.
0: So yeah. It's really, you to pull that guy a little closer to you again.
2: Sorry. My buddy. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: w- another thing that like I learned or that I saw, I should say, um, was especially with with men was they didn't want us consoling them in group they didn't want us to like rub their back or Mm -hmm. hand them a tissue or anything because for a lot of them this is the first time that they're opening up about anything right so we we need them to see like recognize the weight that it's having on them right now and then how do we um, uh, not fix it but how do we cope with the the emotions that they're feeling right now uh, so that they can use that as an empowering thing rather than this crippling thing.
2: Right. And with men, it's um, because my first internship I worked with with mostly men, um, men versus women, it's so different because for women, it's just more socially acceptable for us to cry, Mm -hmm. even though I hate crying, I'll be honest, but um, (laughs) especially in public. Well, that's Um,
0: tough because at the end of this, we're all supposed to cry. So
2: all right okay well did my makeup dang it um but but, uh, women it's so like more socially acceptable for us to cry um for men it's not so like i think that the you know it it, it's normal for them to be like angry versus like us like why are you angry like you know yeah i mean and i show like i mean i swear like a sailor it's fine um, you know, um, but with men, I think that being like compassionate and like letting them know it is okay to cry, like, normalizing that for them again is going to be really important. You're not going to want to say like anything that's, you know, um, like, even if you're kidding later like i mean yeah. not as a therapist like as a counselor but even like well, other anything clients.
0: that discounts their emotions
2: yeah like i mean i have heard people be like kind of making fun of them about it later and it's like no do not like because then that builds that wall back up yeah makes them feel like it's not okay and mm-hmm. it's totally okay so i mean
0: yeah yeah i mean um it was yeah, it was surprising. I mean, and it was, you could tell that it, age made a, a difference, um, in the in the people that would get choked up, um, well, and upbringing too. It uh, it was just because they were perceived as manly and like strong and all of these things um, that they're never supposed to show emotion, and so when they saw somebody show emotion. Um, the types of questions that they would ask would be like so, have, having nothing to do with. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm not explaining like so. Oh, story oh, you're time. You're all okay. going.
2: I, I'm. i gonna have a question about this in a second.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, d- just when I'm talking about this, I'm saying so. In treatment, you would have to tell your story.
2: Yep, you really like story story.
0: Afterwards, people can ask you questions. So somebody would get emotional during your thing and an example of like how uncomfortable somebody would be they would ask a question like what position did you play in football in high school and it's like oh yeah i did this and it's like you're you're showcasing that you felt uncomfortable and you don't want you just wanted to distract them from that and get away from it because you feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. and others like myself that were like more emotionally in tune like we would ask things like I would ask all the time. Have you ever been in therapy? Has anyone ever talked to you about uh, trauma or PTSD or anything like that? And I, one person was like, yeah, I've been been to therapy once. But beyond that, everybody else was like, no, I never even never even thought about that. And yeah, it's I, I love being a, a giant baby. I'm an emotional baby
2: that's okay though. That's cute. <laughs> well, right. it's
0: important. Like, I, cause I, like you were saying, like I swear all the time. I say really weird shit nonstop, but that doesn't mean that I'm devoid of being emotional and being able to take someone seriously when, when they're hurting.
2: Right. Like, I mean, I don't know if you use these, if it's like coping or defense mechanisms, but mm. I use like, um, you know, I swear, uh, obviously, and then I use <laughs> humor.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm like really sarcastic and like funny, but really I'm probably being serious about whatever it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, which is like a good way to deal with it, but eh, some of the yeah. people don't know you're actually being serious, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, with my therapist, I'm like obviously really real, but um, I don't know if you do that. Do you do that? Like, Yeah. With humor? Yeah, yeah it, for
0: sure. Well, I mean, there was a lot of, before it was a lot of deflecting. Yeah,
2: I was gonna say deflecting. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but now it's I I do like I don't know if you want to call it like anti deflecting or like meta deflecting. Like basically, I I make jokes to let somebody know that like you're in a safe place. You know what I yeah. mean? So like yeah. when when I you know been messing around here, it's like to let you know that like we're we're all on the same wavelength. And, but before, yeah, I would, I would use it as a way to make someone think that everything's fine. And then that night I would drink like crazy and cry and, and all of this shit and like not be owning up to, you yeah, know, putting up a facade uh, because we're like Kim and I for the last 13 years have been viewed as the happy people, the funny people, the extroverted, all of these things that, Historically, are like what really happy, well put together people are, and
2: what they appear to be. Yeah, appear to be. I was gonna say, like, I similarly. Um, I mean, I've got people I went to high school or friends with that like didn't know anything about what my home life was like, and they thought that I was super happy. They thought that my life was perfect, and I was like, well, of course you did. That's what I projected, and that's what I wanted you to believe. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I don't really do that anymore. I mean, I can if it calls for it, but like I don't, It how much energy that takes, it takes yeah. a lot of energy.
0: You know, that's interesting. Have you, have you gotten better at picking up when someone is deflecting? Like when you're assessing people?
1: I guess, yeah. Yeah?
0: Yeah. You recognize it more? Like, yeah. can you tell when I'm deflecting?
1: Yeah. I've known you forever, so. <laughs> that's not, yeah.
0: That's just interesting. I've never thought about when I would deflect when I'm talking to you, how you perceive that. Like when I was going through um, addiction and stuff and like not admitting to things, would you, like how often were you seeing me trying to change the subject or get away from... All the time. (laughs) What did that look like?
1: Well, I didn't like you then, so... (laughs) That's fair, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, is that tough, like... So that's kind of what I'm I'm getting to is, um, on a professional level, you see that there's.
1: Well, I don't get angry because they're using it as a defense mechanism, Right. so I don't get angry at my patients. I live with you. I look at you a little differently, so I would get angry at you. Yeah. But I notice that your, your people use it as a defense.
2: Yeah, like it's definitely a defense mechanism to protect you. But like with my clients, I call them out. Yeah. You're like you're mm. deflecting. It was like, lay the shit out. Like, let's go. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, that's not like the first meeting, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah, know, sure. yeah. I'm, I mean, you just, you have to be blunt. Like, I'm I'm like that with people in my personal life, too. Like, friends and stuff. Be like, like, lay it out. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, what's bugging you? Cause I've, I, s-
0: I've started to do that for sure, especially in the last, like, month or so, where, like, So they'll start to open up about a thing and I'll go, I've had two suicide attempts. I may have bipolar disorder. I have the blah, 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 blah. I go through the thing and I go, now it's your turn. And like a lot of times they don't want to admit to any of the things. And it's like, if you think that I'm here to help you recognize my shit, right? And if you think that that is going to be a value in your situation, then you got to let me know what you're dealing with too. Because I don't know what aspect of me that you're wanting me to divulge more of so that I can help you. Like, what is it about what I've been through that you think is going to help you? So tell me, let me in on the things so that then I can... Yeah, sure, if I've I've been through that, then I can tell you my real-world experience version of that. And then suggest what you should do on a professional level.
2: That makes sense, yeah. I just... (laughs) <laughs> I mean even like people that aren't clients like um, like friends or like you know r- romantic relationships I find that like people are so blocked off it doesn't yeah. no matter like you could know them for like six months and sometimes y- you'll just never like it's more of a one-sided relationship mm-hmm. unfortunately yep. and they're like I can't like I personally can't do that I can't do that with um, personal relationships because yeah. then it feels like, well, they hold
1: power because they know so much about me and mm-hmm. I know like barely mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I've had friendships like that in the past, and where it's like I'm telling you all these things about me. And granted, even if you haven't experienced things that I've experienced just give me stuff back like it doesn't have to be like oh yeah when my parents were like this like if your childhood was great and you didn't experience any trauma that's fine we can still be friends just we don't need to have some trauma bonding friendship because we're both like oh my mom my dad did this blah blah. you know we can still have a normal friendship even if you hadn't experienced anything but you got to give me something back but then yeah when you're indulging everything and like this is what going through this what and then they're like cool uh uh-huh
2: uh-huh. yeah oh my gosh that's and like, then it's
1: like this is gonna go like even if you try and you try it still will never go anywhere no it's kind of like they
2: like you like have to let those people go yeah because it's not that's a one-sided relationship and it's or one thing is like i'll ask a, like if i ask somebody a question and they don't ask me something back that bothers the bitches out of me, like, um, Interesting. you know, uh, well, pff, friend. What's your, what's your favorite color? Like something basic, we'll say, and they'll say like pink. Crickets. Like you don't ask, <laughs> you don't ask me what my favorite color is. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, that definitely makes people feel like, well, you don't actually care about me. Yeah. Well, yeah, and they yeah. don't want to no. build that rapport. No, yeah. like I, I mean. I guess that's one thing I have going for me is like I've I've been told that I'm like very good at that, like mm-hmm. rapport yeah. and like yeah, yeah, yeah. relationship building and you can't
0: Was it interpersonal skills?
2: Yeah, interpersonal communication yeah, skills. Yeah, there we go. And you can't I had to take a class in college. You like <laughs> can't really learn that either. Like mm-hmm. it like you can learn how to run groups, you can learn all of like the information and treatments. Um, and diagnosing and stuff but you it you you can't teach somebody how to have a conversation and build relationships with somebody yeah yeah so yeah
0: it's interesting like so um i don't know if you're you're dating somebody currently or not but like knowing what you know now do you find yourself because i know you do it like when you when i introduce you to new people and i because i word vomit i we, we will talk about things for hours and hours and hours. we'll find out things. i'm
1: very 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 introverted social oh. anxiety very introverted okay. Chris is the complete opposite, yeah, so for me, we both e- yeah we even <laughs> each other out so
0: but so I'll like we'll have I'll be having this really intense conversation, and then you'll say later all oh, that means. They they might have this they might have that and like so is it I can't, t-
1: I can't diagnose people obviously but I kind of come down with diagnoses in my head. Yeah, you know, well, it's yeah. it's like playing
0: a crossword puzzle. You can't help but look at that thing and start to solve certain things. It doesn't mean that you're going to give them a professional diagnosis, no. but I mean on uh like
2: I totally do that's it. what I, was, I do. Yeah. It. Um. So like I think I told you. So I started the clinical mental health um counseling at st cloud state and some things happen where i have to take a break um and or go to an online university but we started like looking at the dsm-5 and um what's that it's the manual with that the diagnostic Diagnostic. yeah it's mostly for insurance honestly to yeah Um, diagnose people and get insurance reimbursements yeah oh Um, okay i mean but yeah i do do that with people that like they talk about like their habits or like oh i i drink like every weekend like thursday to the sunday like i go downtown and like it just you know just blitzed basically and i'm just like i do start to be like i think this person might have kind of a
1: problem like (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. no it just automatically happens it It was like when I was learning, like when I took um, abnormal psychology in college and you're learning about all the different diagnoses, you start looking at people in your life. And that's how I honestly started to remember the different, like, especially personality disorders. I'm like, okay, this person fits in this one. So that's when I took my test. I'm like, okay, what traits did this person have?
0: Well, and I mean, I think you can't help but when somebody says one thing, it opens up for you to ask the question of like do you i don't even know how to say it but like so somebody says i was at a a party and i just sat in a corner and was just counting down the minutes until we got to leave when you hear stuff like that you i find myself wanting to ask another question because i want and maybe it's like that confirmation bias type of thinking Mm -hmm. is like it I bet if I ask this, they're going to respond this way. And that means that they are probably, they probably have social anxiety or, you know what I mean? Like I, I find myself asking questions like that. Not, not that they know that I'm trying to oh, diagnose yeah. them or anything, but
2: I mean, no, I get that. Like, I mean, I guess I don't ever expect an answer. I'm just more like, but why? <laughs> like, I want to know. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm just curious,
1: naturally curious. Is, which it's are, learning about pe- how people behave and interact and mm-hmm. why they behave the way they do. Trying to understand that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I, for me, because like, it's... Because you a,
1: don't behave in that manner, so it's out of the... or That's not your norm, so you're trying to understand why someone would behave in that manner, and you're trying to...
0: Well, and I always want to help.
1: Yeah. Oh.
2: So I
0: hear... I know. Yeah. So I hear <laughs> certain things, and I and I go, all right. How can how can we make that thing better? I, I tell people like I want the thing that you're saying to have the weight that it deserves. Like if you're gonna tell me something, I'm gonna respond in a way that um, lets you know that uh, I'm validating that. You know don't don't I don't want people to tell me traumatic shit and then expect me to like laugh at every single thing that they're saying. Cause there is trauma bonding and I've obviously been through rough stuff, but when, when people tell me things now, I'm like, give that the weight that it deserves. Mm -hmm. Like if this stuff bothers you and for whatever reason you're telling it to me, maybe on a professional level, you should tell it to somebody. And, and I don't know if you need to dissect it more um, or if these are just passive thoughts or whatever, but like, yeah i every with every scenario i i want someone to know that their feelings are, are validated and recognized and, and i i think everybody's important and sincerity to me is the most important thing in the world so like I sincerely appreciate you being here i appreciate the profession that you're going into and Thanks. And um, the way that you're going about it, too, it's really fucking important. And like Kim was saying, the turn- turnover rate is really high. And Super high. When I was on the adult mental health unit, Jesus, like, almost 90% of the nurses that I saw were floating nurses. So people that just want to be on that unit, very slim. Like, the rotation is just massive. And... When you have that, there's obviously there's people that are there and they're going to do their job, you know, the way that they, they think it should be done Mm -hmm. and they want to help, but it doesn't mean that they have all of the tools needed.
1: I think with mental health too and chemical dependency, it's so gray. It's not black and white. Mm. So like surgery, I'm going to go into surgery there, appendix burst. This is the treatment that we usually do. There's like, if you look at a diagram, like, well, if this happens and we do this, if we this happens, we do this major depressive disorder how can we treat it Woo, all over the place what's it (laughs) gonna work for people it's not so people that aren't gray thinkers i think have a harder time working in that field because they're the gray yeah so it's like let's be real the whole entire world's gray there's it's not black and white let's Mm -hmm. but there are very much people that live off black and white thinking and they have like that's the kind of roles they need to do And then there's people that are great thinkers. And so I think that's why like mental health can, because it's not, I mean, eventually, yeah, you have to restrain people there. I mean, it can get physically, but it's so emotionally draining that I think a lot of people don't have the coping skills to leave their jobs, go home and use those skills to kind of decompress. And it's hard because I feel like with those are, like this field, is you bring a lot home that you try not to. Yeah, like, and that's why again therapy is so important the, for people who work in the field. Well, like therapy, the, like help, like coping skills, exercising. Um, yes,
2: yeah, like um, just doing those self care things because otherwise you're gonna burn out. Yeah, yeah, and
1: I think it's a high burnout thing because yeah, is, people don't man. go like yeah, we can sit there and teach people coping skills, but you also you need to go home mm-hmm. and also do that yourself.
0: I forget if I've, I've told you this before or not, but um, one night there was a, a nurse who um, was very nice, but um, I heard her try to give advice to somebody. Um, and it, this wasn't it, but it was basically to the effect of like using essential oils to get over some type of thing. And I sat down with this lady and I was like, um, does does this stuff make sense to you? And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, when you're here, are you looking for ways? Are you looking for like answers? And she was like, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And so I talked with her for like an hour about how every single person in here is different. This isn't like a, like you were saying, like a surgical unit where you go in and you cut something and then it's fixed. Like, everything is very, very different. And when you say things like the advice that you gave to that other person, you've got to know their, their personal full scope because they may take that and then go to a doctor and say, give me all the oil you've got. I'm going to bathe myself in it. Like people go way off the deep end on stuff. And so any little thing that you say can be huge here. And, um, and i remember that nurse being like yeah i guess that's why i don't come down here very often is <laughs> oh yeah it was like i get it like you could,
1: she could have just said like essential oils like they've have shown that they can benefit in these areas but it's not a fix it's right like a, to calm you Yeah. well
0: and there's uh there's a um like a nonchalant way of being like do you like peppermint and if that person's like yeah Well, I don't know if you know this, but at the nurse's station, they have these little oils that kind of smell like peppermint. And sometimes that's kind of nice, right? Like, there's a passive way of doing Mm -hmm. that so that it doesn't seem like you're using it to solve an actual diagnosis.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: I mean, I have heard, like, people using those as, like... I mean, for... Like, if someone's going through flashbacks or um, panic attacks, to, like, smell something because it, it just, it, like, distracts you, basically. Yes. um Or, like, you know, if you're really anxious, if you go like this and you stand up. Oh. It lowers your cortisol levels. Really? Yep. Or if, like, you're anxious and you're, like, sitting like this, if you sit, like, bigger. So big. Like own your space. Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, oh, okay. Own
2: your space. So it makes you feel more confident. Oh, that's Mm. interesting. And it, yeah, it lowers your cortisol levels.
0: I do not even know what cortisol is.
2: Adrenaline, anxiety.
0: Ah, Mm -hmm. that's really interesting.
2: Yeah, there's Uh, been like studies done on it and stuff.
0: Wow. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of, I've always said because I have back issues, I don't care what it is that makes me feel better as long as it makes me feel better. And I mean, I say feel better like so that I can do like my normal daily tasks, not like feel better, like the way the substance can trick you into making you think you feel better. Um, but I mean, I don't I don't care if it's um placebo effect. <laughs> Whatever, man, go for it. So if, if for the people that I just, when it comes to like the essential oil stuff, what's it, what's that stuff called? Not pseudoscience
1: or integrative therapies.
0: Yeah, I'm to alternative medicine. like when people go like, uh, God damn it! I can't think of the word. But anyways, thinking that like like using as an
1: adjunct. Ah, like we're not gonna take like you. We'll probably still need your antidepressant or anxiety medication, but this may. We can, you can utilize this in situations to see if that can also help, but we're also know that you probably should still be, uh, yeah, yeah. I have, like, this is kind of, like,
2: off topic a little bit, but what are you guys' views on, like, people that take antidepressants or anxiety medications but are not in therapy?
0: Mm. Well. This is
1: how I word it (laughs) to my patients, especially the ones that are, um hesitant to therapy you have diabetes okay Mm -hmm. you need insulin you have type one or your type two is unmanageable without insulin we you can pump yourself full of insulin but if you're not eating healthy your your diabetes is going to continue to get out of control you can lose toes you can lose i use diabetes a lot because everyone knows about diabetes so Mm -hmm. if i say that then people are like oh or you have heart disease you've had heart attacks you're on meds to help with your heart but if you're eating fast food every day and heavy food, that you're not, the medication's not going to do anything. Right. So when you word it in categories like, cause of the stigma with mental health, we can put you on antidepressants, but if you're not working through what's causing you to be depressed or all these things, the medications don't, it, it's going to help, but it's not going to be a hundred percent. Right. Yeah, Does that make I, sense? I always use, like,
2: um, the medications or, like, a Band-Aid. Yes. That's so, true. I mean, they're not going to, like, work to their full effect if you're not in therapy. Because you're going to want to rewire and, like, you know, re like rewire your thought processes um, as to, like, why you're having these problems. Yes, you might always be on these medications, but it's going to be important for you to work through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know people that have been on medication and they're like, it doesn't even work. I was like, well, that's because it's meant to be with therapy. Because um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I started mine, I started therapy before I got on meds.
0: Ah. Well, I mean, that's usually, that's the preferred way. I mean, people want to know what they're, because when you, like with me, they started me on different medications and, and by the time I got out of treatment, I finally was on like a steady dose of of certain Mm -hmm. medications but there's a lot of trial and error stuff and that's really because they just we we, we went to the worst place before so before uh, therapy or anything so they're trying to say okay shit how can we stabilize you so that we can then work through these things so therapy first medication second is really the best way to to go about things Um, and Medication I I mean it's a lot of people. Everyone expects the quick
1: fix. Right. And, and like when are... you're four to six weeks to maybe take an effect. Well and like and
2: it's a it's, it's a tri- game. Yep. It's a trial yep. and error. They have gene site testing now, which is
1: very helpful. Um but unfortunately that also won't explain what will work best. It's just how you metabolize medication. Right. I mean oh. I got it done and
2: I was I found out that I was on a medication that like My body didn't metabolize it at all. Oh (laughs) wow! So So
1: even if you were on the highest dose, it wasn't going to do anything for you. So gene site testing—they do um, a swab of your cheek. They there's different receptors. I'm trying to remember. We used to do this all the time, and then it determines they have like all these medications. It's all like antidepressants, antipsychotics. You can do Mm -hmm. ADHD and all that, and it categorizes it green, yellow, red. So red category is. You might not be able to metabolize the medication very well, or you need a very high dose or a very low dose. It kind of explains, it gives you a little thing where you can read, okay, this person, the medication's not going to work the best with, but if they do a low dose, it might work. And then there's yellow and then green's like, you'll metabolize it fine. Right.
0: Well, and I was going to say too, um, we we meet a lot of people who say um, that they, uh, they got off medication and they don't ever want to take it again because it wasn't doing anything. And most of the time, those people who are saying that they want to get off the medication or that they've taken themselves off of it, it's because they stopped going to therapy. Because we'll say, I mean, at least me, like I'll say a lot of the times, like, how often are you, like, are you seeing a therapist right now or or what are you doing? And they're like, I'm not doing that because that wasn't working either. And now I'm going to stop taking medication because I don't feel myself. When really what you're saying is, I don't feel like I have control. I'm perceiving medication as like I'm a slave to this medication, which is not the case at all. That medication is there for you to be the most whole version of yourself possible.
2: Like when they said that, was it like they don't feel like themselves, like they aren't feeling or because like I've also been on medication where like my cat could have gotten my baby could have gotten ran over and I wouldn't have cried. It gives you, like, that blunt affect where you're, like, yeah "Eh." Yeah, and I, you know, I just didn't care about anything. Nothing made me, like, I didn't feel anything.
0: But that's the thing, like, that you bring up to somebody. Well, I mean,
2: I got off of it. Like, I was, gosh, I think I was only on it for a week. Because you know, I knew I was just, this is not yeah. what I want. Like yeah. I would rather have it took care of my anxiety, which was beautiful, but um, but the other effects were like not worth it. So I was like, I need to find a way to manage this so I can still feel my feelings.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So did you take yourself? Like, did you n- notify anybody
2: that? You were I, oh off yeah, of it? like I was just like, um, yeah, I'm getting off this now. Like. I'm so not you told it. somebody. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not taking this anymore. And it, was, it hadn't been in my system long enough for me to go through a Jaws anyways.
0: See, and that's different from the people that have been on medications for however many years.
2: Yeah, they need to tell somebody. Because, yeah. like, I did have another experience that um, I was like, this is, this isn't working for me. um, And we were just going to see what happens, taking me off of ev- uh, everything. And it was a pretty low dose but I'm really I mean, you can tell I'm mean, kind of small so um they were like yeah you should be fine you shouldn't experience any adverse effects like no withdrawal symptoms that was not the case I ended up having to go to the hospital because um l- I felt like I was literally dying like oh. it was the worst and then um paired with that I wasn't gonna do anything but I, I was having like thoughts like I could just drive my car off the bridge and mm-hmm. it could all be done. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I was though that's when I was like oh crap. Like intrusive you know. thoughts. Oh my gosh, it was terrible and I was like crying all the time and um I mean uh, on the behalf of the provider I think that was really irresponsible of them because kind of like these are messing with my brain like yeah and mm-hmm. you just and I you know I, I mean I don't I don't work with that area so it's not like I knew at that point like yeah. you shouldn't do that but again a learning experience you know yeah. um mm. but I mean I think that that's a good thing to be aware of because I never you know lots of people don't know
1: that if you just stop taking them that you, you especially if you say you're fine you can stop taking them you'll be okay it's like but if you're not, these are the things that can happen. Like Right. That, yeah. And I didn't even know that. And I didn't have any refills or
2: anything at that point. Oh. So, and I'd never been on a medication that had like those kind of effects when you stopped taking them. So I think, again, like patient, like informed care before you yeah. even get on them. Yeah. It's going to be important. What What's it going to look like when you start taking them? What are the side effects? Um, How long until, like, we probably up your dose? What is it also going to look like if you ever decide to get off of them? That way you can make a more, more informed mm-hmm. and decision yep. yeah. Yeah. on, okay, do I want to do that? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's always really vague. Right, and, and like,
2: that's, like, a problem. That's a problem. Like... I don't feel like we're informing people.
0: Like when you're at the, the pharmacy and they say, do you have any questions about your medication? That should be one of your questions. If you're considering taking something, if you're talking with your provider about taking a new medication, when you ask, when when the pharmacy asks you that question, ask them, what's it like if I were to decide to go off of these medications? Because I decided on my own to go off of Cymbalta. That's what we were talking about, those brain zaps earlier. It really like felt like an electric like jolt and i it was kind of that feeling when you are dozing off and your head kind of drops
2: that's the one that i like took myself off of really it was awful so like she started me at 350 milligrams oh my gosh oh my gosh i was so dizzy i was so sick um they started you at 350 yeah because like i was i was coming off of like which one it was one in a similar similar class medication um prestique, i think oh yeah um similar class and that she just thought it would be fine and i had like that was terrible she brought me down still s- same side effects didn't feel anything could have ran over my cat um yeah it wasn't it was awful.
1: Yeah. I heard and another one that people have a really, 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 really hard time coming down from is effects or is one that people have very bad withdrawals from. Yeah, I was on that one. Um effects are had bad side effects,
2: like in general, and then they put me on um I think Pristique
1: is the predecessor. Yeah, and it's a newer that's a newer it's one. Like I mean more it's not updated. It's, yeah. 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 So, like,
0: it's uh yeah, it's. I mean, and it's not that providers are like wanting these adverse things to happen to you. They're they're trying to figure it out, and they have x amount of people that they're seeing throughout the day as well. That you know that they got to get to, and so they're just like, "Get back to me. Let me know how this goes."
2: Well, and we're at such a shortage of um, psychi- yeah, mm-hmm. psych psychiatrists that like i've never seen one in person it's always been telehealth yeah. and like oh. they've been in like washington um so which is where we have family practice doctors that are prescribing antidepressants because you scored xyz on a phq yeah
0: mm-hmm.
2: um i mean that's where i get my meds now because i can't find a psychiatrist yeah, yeah. Yep. Which is fine because like I'm not I'm not adding anything, Um and I'm you're just maintaining. Yeah, yeah. and
0: I'd we should campaign to get sponsored by BetterHelp. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> BetterHelp.com. Anyway. Have you heard of that?
1: I have That's, not. Actually. They're therapists, they're not psychiatrists, so We're talking about psychiatry. No, I know,
0: but then they they can help they, you get I
1: mean, in touch. They with can refer you, I believe. Yeah. Yep. yeah, But man, you can be on a wait list for psychiatrists. I was a for a
2: year. No. For a year.
1: Yeah. So imagine, so primary providers will prescribe like antidepressants mm-hmm. and anxiety. Imagine these people with schizophrenia and the ones that are on hefty doses of antipsychotics, like clozeral, you have to do blood work every so many, you know, to, right. you know, with that medication or deba stuff like that where you do they
0: do people still get lithium
1: yes absolutely so Mm -hmm. lithium levels so with these medications you need blood draws primary providers you're going to go to them and be like hey i need you know i was on this medication i need a refill they're going to say hell no because it's a scary medication because you have to monitor it so closely but i'll put a referral in for psychiatry you might get in in a year you're probably going to go to the hospital four or five times before you even get into a psychiatrist. So good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's a, it's a very broken system. And if your mental health is very poor, you have these diagnoses, you do any criminal activity, we're going to throw you in a jail cell where you're mm-hmm. not getting any mental health. We're still not going to give you meds. And now we're the, we're having this revolving cycle and now you're a felon. Good luck getting out of jail and anything good happening for you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We can go on for hours. I don't yeah, want to talk about it. I, I got upset last night about stuff like this. So.
0: Yeah, that's, but that's really... I had no idea that there was a waiting list for that stuff. Because oh I say all the time so on odd. here, like, go set up an appointment. But I didn't Therapists know that...
1: Therapists are a little easier. I mean, they can be a couple weeks out. Right. Mo- maybe a month, but not like a year is... Well, I'm saying...
0: Very... So what I should be saying is if you're considering it, set up an appointment with a therapist and get the ball rolling. And if... You don't want to do the psychiatry thing, yeah. You you don't end up doing it, but if if the waiting time is that fucking hard right now, then yeah, definitely sooner than later.
2: It'll I think it'll always be like that. Yeah, it's not gonna get any better. I mean, there it's such a shortage, and I mean, then you've got like so psychiatry and therapists, are, they, they're, they work together, but they
1: also butt heads because you work for Big Pharma. What's your agenda?
0: Oh, wow.
1: Whereas the therapist will spend an hour, 30 minutes, usually it's an hour with a client yeah. and psychiatry, 10 minutes, med check appointment. Come in. How are your meds doing? Oh, you're good? Any side effects? No? Okay, I'll refill your meds. Mm-hmm. And this is another thing that it... Me, I work in the medical field obviously but it's a a business (laughs) oh yeah no especially primary care and all those how many patients can you see in an hour because you're going to get reimbursed on all those patients and you get paid based on how many patients you can see and they I don't think they do
2: this anymore because um like a lawsuit or something but back back a while back they used to get um there would be like conventions for like um psychiatrists and you'd get kickbacks and Uh free trips and if you Uh push these meds um which is just so unethical on so many levels yeah but i mean i you know they still work for big pharma and they still get reimbursed for what they do prescribe so it makes sense that they only i
1: do want to say though on behalf of where i worked we could not accept any gifts we couldn't accept any free meals because they would come to you and be like I want to tell you about this new medication we have. We will provide you lunch. Our organization's like absolutely not. We're not taking free gifts, we're not taking free food, we're not taking anything like that. And I we, I really did stop seeing those people coming in to my outpatient clinic. Wow. Yeah, we I've I've seen them too. And um it it's just
2: the agendas that are behind these is just it's it's ridiculous and and unethical that's i mean i and i'm for medication 100 percent paired with like therapy and if it works for you it's just i do worry about like the agendas of uh, the pharmaceutical companies and Mm -hmm. then of course you're i never had a good experience personally with any psychiatrists i always just felt like they were pushing me through
0: yeah yeah i uh I think, do you remember when I told you about this, the, the guy that he was, um, because I had such bad anxiety attacks cause I su- suppressed it with, with substance for so long, yeah. I forgot that I still had them. Um, <laughs> so at the, f- the treatment facility, there's the psychiatrist who uh, was like, I want to do a meditation practice with you. And he's reading through the thing and he said, um, you know, breathe in, breathe out. Are your palms open? good and i was like i can tell that it says good on your piece of paper that's so disingenuous so when we were done with the little practice i said does it say good on your sheet he was like yeah
2: at least he <laughs> admitted it yeah
0: but it's like it, it and even though he admitted that he was like very like you know all right it's you got to get out of here i got right. the next person and but yeah, with the the counselors and the therapists, they do want to get to know you better.
1: I I thankfully I in my area that I work in, I work with amazing psychiatrists. Like the one you had on the unit is one of my favorite people. Yeah, doctor. Don't say his name on here. But yeah, that was he, close. Yeah, I know he <laughs> is one of the kindest, most understanding people I have ever met, and the way he. He just treats everybody with respect. Like he loves, he loves mental health. But then there are people, which the one that you that you had the first time you were on the unit, who well, dressed up and all that.
0: Yeah, we can talk about him because he's in jail, right?
1: What now? I don't know if he's in <laughs> jail. I don't want to talk about. I don't want to talk poorly about anyone that I've had. Why? Well, I guess I know He was a comments. predator. Okay, you know, I need so, to. I need to know can you just Can you just bleep this all? Yeah, his
0: name's Doctor Meany. Doctor
1: Gavin Meany.
0: Which is hilarious that that was he his He was a thing.
1: psychiatrist when Chris was on the unit. Super spiffed up suit. The, the provider I'm talking about that works on the unit now. He wears scrubs. He, he just walks in. He wants you to know. It. I don't, you know. Yeah. Like they made him work from home. During like when COVID. COVID was bad, and he didn't want to, he's like, I don't want to talk to my patients through a screen. I want to be there in person, right. and so there was a lot of disarray. But you had to also bleep that. Out. I
2: like love that though, like that he's he wears scrubs because like that's another thing is when people when professionals counselors therapists they
1: dress up that's intimidating. Yeah, so you can tell. Yeah. So okay. Tell him about tell her about Meanie and then I'll tell you, <laughs> tell you what happened. Okay. Cause okay. I'll pull up the. We found so, out about this because oh. he was still he was still one of our on call psychiatrist Spilling at the time. The tea.
0: Yeah, so he had three-piece suit, everything super pristine clean and uh he's talking to me and I was like is it why why is it that you you dress the way that you do because you realize that like you're you're separating yourself mm-hmm. from people and they're automatically going to view you differently. And he was like, well, "I want them to view me differently. I don't want to be anybody's friend here." And I was like, "Well, do you want to like be intimidating? He was like, no, but I did read that. um, And I forget what he, he spat out about some article um, that showed that people view you as professional if you dress as a professional. And I was like, but everybody else is wearing scrubs and we know that we can go to them for help. When you look the way that you do, people don't feel like they can come to you for help on a just on a visual level and he just basically told me that that's kind of how he wants it he wants to have that that degree of separation yeah yeah and And what um,
1: happened after that what happened the next day
0: oh yeah yeah he showed up and he had taken the jacket and the vest off but he still kept the slack You
1: said he was in a polo in slacks
0: no he had well i mean button up but he he had changed a pretty big aspect of of the way that he dressed because like i said the like you could tell it was like an expensive suit and he gave some ground but not not enough at least in my opinion and, and that was back when i had like really self-righteous tendencies i yeah, was like thinking different. that i could do his job better than <laughs> than he could
1: so a year ago, okay. a year, so a year and a month. Apple Valley psychiatrist pleads guilty to criminal sexual conduct involving a patient. Um, he was treating the victim as a patient in his role. I think it was for a long time, too. He started doing, he started, re- the patient started rece- oh, he this patient was abused over the past five years while receiving therapy and psychiatric services from him. He, multiple acts of sexual conduct, touching uh, penetration that occurred in his office
2: yeah yeah so the first thing i learned on day one of ethics is if you don't take anything else away from this class remember you
1: do not sleep with your patients (laughs) (laughs) like yeah yeah. big one don't do that when i saw that i was like okay yeah of course of
0: course and actually to bring it back to to addiction um cross addiction is a huge thing Mm -hmm. and people can get overly sexual uh, Mm -hmm. when they're going through these things and when it comes to uh, treatment uh, like outpatient stuff and groups there a lot of times will be people that try to hook up in these groups and it's like you're there for the wrong reason then yeah take yourself take that part that shouldn't even be part of the equation like you're there to get better So not only on a professional level, like, obviously you should have that degree of separation. But when you're getting better, too, don't, like, mistake or don't misconstrue you're getting better for meaning now I should get in a relationship. Like, most counselors say that you should wait a year.
2: Yeah, I was going to say we say, like, a year. Um, Or, like, gambling. Like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Just... Yeah, there's, like, gambling, like, porn, sex, like, you know, Cigarettes. like, more, yeah. I mean, <laughs> then there is, like, a correlation with, um, because at the treatment center I'm at, they were one of the last ones to, st- that to stop, um, letting clients go out for smoke breaks, uh-huh. that, um... You are more likely to stay sober if you complete every, like, if you stop
1: all substances. Whereas somebody picked up smoking at treatment.
0: Which is, is double bad because, well, I don't smoke Well, now,
1: now he's, that's why he keeps <sighs> popping gum. He's not oh. nicotine gum right now. <laughs> okay. I was like, what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, but the, the, the shitty thing was the biggest breakthroughs I had were at the, on these smoke breaks. So my brain automatically associated these positive things. This like that's when your moments of clarity are going to be because you're not, you can't be indoors. So you're you're removing yourself from your normal environment and you're having to speculate and think about about life. And when I did that, um, yeah, my brain was like, "Oh, dude, remember how when we smoked cigarettes, we found out this massive thing about sobriety?" And it's like ironic to think. I was sober from one thing and like finding out more about these things, but I was replacing it. Yeah. Replacing replacing it. Yep. 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 Yep.
2: Yeah. Super common. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: But yeah, that's, that's a really good thing too. I mean, they had smoking pits everywhere, but they also cater to like, there, there's a lot of money. There's a lot of money at that place. And some of the, meetings that you would have were also like pitch meetings. Oh. Which can seem very disingenuous. And like there's a lady that works there that flies in from New York and works 3 days and then goes back. So that's how much money you're making that you can <laughs> only work 3 days <laughs> a week. Face just probably like, like So yeah, there's a lot of money that floats in and out of there and I think
1: that was a psychiatric provider to, again. And the, with the no. shortage, no, oh. not
0: a psychiatric provider.
1: All right, never mind then. Take that back.
0: <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> just a counselor.
2: Really, you know where you mm-hmm. need to go. No
1: kidding. <laughs> oh
2: my gracious! Yeah, if you
1: go there. There's nothing over there. If you want to live in like a dung town, though, there's literally yeah, nothing. But over she there.
0: she was just very versed in the twelve step program. They call uh, Alcoholics Anonymous book the the big book mm-hmm. and she was just very well versed in that she was basically like a theologian um but you, for Alcoholics Anonymous
2: do you like AA or NA 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 okay I was gonna say like I feel like AA is kind of it's kind it's of like a little outdated school. a little bit um yes. uh it's like the older people tend to like that one but um, the population that I work with right now, like they're like, do we have to do AA? Like let's do the NA, yes. <laughs> which the stories in there are better in my opinion too. Mm-hmm.
0: So, well, a um, lot of reason why like the treatment facilities that um, focus on Alcoholics Anonymous, like why people seem to not be as engaged is because for, for people that are in there for um, narcotics or anything else, um, that's not alcohol. They can't relate to the other person that's sharing. Like when it's their turn, it's like, and right. then they feel like they're being judged when they share their thing because these guys who just drank too much. And that's the other weird thing is like they say, "All you did was drink, dude. I was shooting up heroin behind a dumpster, like." We're not the same.
2: I was gonna say there's also a separation in treatment. If you're an alcoholic versus if you use like meth and heroin because one's legal. Mm-hmm. It was like no no no, <laughs> uh, you're not you weren't you're not in here because like yeah, yeah. you just went to the bar like last weekend <laughs> like you know what I mean like yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean it's the it's the same it's just a different substance and yeah. one happens to be.
1: Legal and your dealer is literally on every corner and everywhere yeah. you go. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah. If anything, you should you should be more scared because your thing is fucking everywhere. Mm-hmm. Pe- like and people like when a when somebody is recovered from meth or heroin, there's nobody casually like, "Oh, you're not going to be weird if I shoot up right now, are you?" Oh
2: my goodness.
0: But, but like people with alcoholics are like, "Do you mind if I have a drink right
2: now? Is that going to be okay?" Like. Well, right. Or, I mean, it's so like, oh, let's go grab a drink. It's so casual.
1: It's like ice cream. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, they but integrated if, if you were it. telling your friend like, well, let's just go shoot up some meth, people would yeah. be like, what is wrong with you? Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. So I mean, there, there's also a separation that, um, yeah. and treatment there. Like, um, I saw a lot of like the alcoholics kind of like had a little group, and mm-hmm. you know, because they couldn't relate to what it's like to shoot up you well, know? yeah
0: drug drug use is associated with criminals
2: and- well yeah i, I mean it, i mean it's you know a lot of times they, yeah they have been in jail or prison and but so have these alcoholics yes. because DWIs they or... yeah DUIs up the wazoo you know um
0: I was just going to say if you have gotten a DUI or DWI guess what you're just as much a criminal as these oh, other yeah. people it's the same yeah. fucking thing
2: yeah no i i i agree i mean i have had to um <laughs> The, I, I fidget lot. A- oh, this, this I, is my anxiety i oh, just fidget okay i kind of picked up that you're probably like a little anxious yeah Oh, um, <laughs> sorry <laughs> <That's okay>. um, <laughs> um yeah. oh god i forgot what i was gonna say oh that um the, they do kind of like separate themselves from each other and we i've had to kind of basically during a group like tell them to knock it off like yeah. y'all are yeah. better than they, mm-hmm. these people yeah you didn't get here for good behavior. Okay. Yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> yeah. I could go on and on. This is gotta... great. But what, what advice do you have for uh, either people who actually, you know what? I'm going to cater it to people who uh, have a loved one or a family member who is affected by addiction right now. What advice would you have for them as to like what they can do or how they can make this other person feel more comfortable
1: and on top of that, like, after that answer, people that are questioning if they think they have a problem, like, what advice would you tell them? Like, what steps would you tell them to take?
2: Um, I mean, I think that for the first question, to support that individual that has an addiction problem, um, just be supportive. Don't enable. Give them, like... You know, if they're receptive to it, like, information on, like, maybe some pamphlets. Here are some pamphlets, like, where you can find help. What about NA, AA? They have to make up their own mind on, like, what they're going to do. That's that's not on you. You can give them the information and they have to do what they will with it because they have to want it. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say close the door entirely. Love them from afar, depending on, you know, it's going to depend on everybody's situation. But, I mean, obviously, if they reach out and be like, I need you to, like, help me get into treatment or whatever. Like, I mean, help, you know, help them, like, yeah. be receptive to that. Um, and, again, it's I don't know everyone's dynamics because they're – everyone's different.
1: Sure. Um, and then what was the second question? Um, if someone's questioning if they may have a problem, like, what have. steps would you suggest taking? I
2: mean, you – can always like get a therapist they would be able to help you or refer you to treatment if it's you know severe enough otherwise if you really do think you've you can call any treatment center and be like i would really like to get a, in for a rule 25 oh okay i mean you, you i mean you'd pay out of pocket um more than likely or insurance would cover some of it it just you know it depends but um and just to see where you're at but be honest about it if you're gonna if you're gonna go in and do a rule 25 you need to be honest about everything because that will determine like where you get placed or if you really do think you've got a problem you know um I mean I've seen people come in that do like they've got a problem but it's it's almost like they caught it soon enough where they don't need high intensive inpatient. Oh, sure. It's like they need coping skills on like, and you know, therapy and that kind of thing. Um, everyone's at a different level. And I think that just meeting yourself like where you are right now is really important. So
0: I, I always flub this, but I'm trying to think of like websites or resources that people can, can go to, to, to try and get help obviously i I didn't mean to shit talk alcoholics anonymous but obviously um i think it's just aa.org um you can go there
1: and i mean any smart recovery is one too
2: and you can like google it like they've got like na and aa meetings now online Mm. um i mean they're more prevalent due to covid but they were always there because of the younger generation i mean so like Probably my age and younger, um, they we're busy. Okay, like I mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah. le- if I can hop on a Zoom meeting or like it just chat, like that's helpful. Yeah. Granted, it's not the same as connecting with people, but it's something. Yeah. Um, and maybe they're scared, which is really common. Um, don't be afraid to ask like a friend or family member to go with you like i went i've went to na meetings because somebody was scared to go alone you know mm-hmm. um just like having that support system you know don't feel like you're in it alone because i have seen like people that feel like they can manage it by themselves and you you can't like yeah. you have to want the help but it's okay to ask for help and mm-hmm. support and yeah. i so
1: yeah
0: well, awesome! Thank you so much again for for being here yeah, and doing thank this.
2: Thanks for having me. It was really fun. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I I enjoyed it. Um, uh, as, as always, uh, subscribe and uh, if you'd like to be be featured, you're more than welcome to to call in. Um, if you're potentially going through addiction right now and maybe haven't said these things out loud and would like an anonymous platform to kind of just bounce things off of, We're non judgmental and and sometimes those stories help other people kind of figure out where they're at as well. Or if uh, a loved one is, is dealing with things or if you're someone in recovery who would like to share their story, you can absolutely reach out. And uh, doesn't. you don't have to be here in person or share your name or any information uh, about your, your personal life. You can remain anonymous in, in that regard. Kim Duke, anything you want to add?
1: Mm-mm, I got nothing.
0: All right. Well, I love you. <laughs> Love you, And you're awesome, and I like the hoodie that you're wearing.
2: Oh my
1: gosh, you guys are it's so cute. cute. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> so excited.
0: Alrighty. You want to do it at the same time again?
1: Sure. And with, with that, that, we, we will pass. pass. Yeah, nailed it.